Welcome back to Cancer Actually Fucking Sucks. Each week we interview our guests on how cancer has affected them and get down to the nitty gritty of what actually happens during and after a cancer diagnosis. Hosted by me, Madison Pollock. And me, Paige Gill. Today's guest is Kayla Samprook, a wellness and life coach at Pastor Wellness, as well as a nonprofit director at the Gerson Institute. We're so excited to talk to Kayla about the treatments at Gerson Institute. Please keep in mind that any treatments you hear on our podcast should always be consulted with your doctor. Hello, Kayla. Welcome to Cancer Actually Fucking Sucks. Hi. How are you, Madison? So good. We're so excited to have you today. You um, have a career that is close to my heart. So (laughs) you are a health and wellness coach um, and director of academics at the Gerson Institute. Yeah, I've uh, really enjoyed working in that field and learning about a lot of the power of nutrition through the last 10 years of, of doing that. Yeah. So it's been really inspiring to see people be able to, to heal themselves. That's awesome. Yeah, 10 years. Wow, that's incredible. And because it's kind of like a new thing, you know, like a health coach is kind of like a new <laughs> yeah, term, a- I feel like. So yeah. Um, I'd love to hear how you got started in that field. Of course. So um, 10 years ago, I was at about 18 years old and my father became really ill and we didn't know what was going on. He was uh, not able to work. He was barely able to get out of bed mm-hmm. for um, months on end sometimes. And um, in that time, me and him had been volunteering at the Gerson Institute, mm. um, partly because of our interest in nutrition. And so in that, we were able to connect with some naturopathic doctors, one that worked there, and then one he was referred to, and he was able to get diagnosed with um, an autoimmune illness. And so that naturopath was able to help him recover. And in the meantime, um, I was hired by the Gerson Institute, and I was able to start seeing people who were getting diagnosed with cancer, and they started to recover. And I started to see that journey using nutrition. So they weren't using other alternative treatments like chemotherapy and radiation. And it was really powerful to be able to see that. And it wasn't everyone who who has that type of miraculous recovery, Mm -hmm. but it was very interesting and powerful to start seeing at such a young age, Mm -hmm. the impact. um, And then seeing that same thing reflected in my father's health uh, him being able to put his condition into remission with using nutrition, um, avoiding medications, and then mm-hmm. my own health as well. Mm-hmm. So it's really powerful. And uh, I started uh, working to become a naturopathic doctor. So wow. it's been wow, a- Kayla. That is so cool. Thank you so much for being here. I have a question about how do you fi- how did you figure out the techniques who did you learn from on how to be trained trained as a naturopath doctor so you you usually start by going through the same route as a medical doctor so you have to go through the same preliminary courses things like general chemistry organic chemistry biology physiology and um, I'm uh, actually about to graduate and apply for my doctorate oh, program next amazing. year. So it's really exciting. And then when you are a naturopathic doctor, you can practice things like minor chiropractic, some acupuncture, 
and herbal medicine, as well as nutrition and lifestyle changes, as well as regular medicine. So you're trained in, you're, you're like a medical doctor that you specialize in natural medicine. So, wow. And, and what are some of the techniques that you've seen that have been used instead of chemotherapy, radiation, um, in your cancer patients? So in the, at the Gerson therapy, we primarily, or Gerson Institute, we primarily use the Gerson therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a, a treatment that has four legs. So it has a rather strict nutritional therapy focused on plant-based eating, all organic, and then there's juicing. There's quite a number of juices, about 10 to 13 juices for some patients per day. And then there's also um, detoxification through coffee enemas and supplementation. So I've seen that. I've also spoken with people because uh, we've had to refer them elsewhere. If we can't treat them, Mm -hmm. there are other alternative therapies out there, such as like IV vitamin C therapy. Um, There's also Dr. Berzinski, who's located in Houston, Texas, who uh, treats patients with, I believe, a stem cell therapy. And so there's, there's many different things out there and I, uh, have seen uh, a number of them Yeah, mostly with the Gerson therapy. So, yeah. And do you see a lot of people coming to the Gerson Institute because they don't want to do traditional chemo radiation? How kind of like, what's like the mix between solely only, you know, I would say that there's there's a, a pretty even mix of people who are interested in using it as their primary treatment before they do anything else. Uh, right. Usually they're aware of the power of what changing your diet can do, and they're already kind of in the camp of making that decision. Mm-hmm. There are other people who usually they come to us after a lot of other treatments have not had the success that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. So it might be um, for some people, one of their last options because they've already pursued a lot of um, radiation and chemotherapy and it hasn't worked for them. Mm-hmm. So it's a pretty even mix, but yeah. And what are the juices? Like, what do they contain? Give us like a little more detail into like what the therapy is. Of course. So the the four main juices are uh, citrus juice, usually taken once in the morning. That's usually orange or grapefruit. Mm-hmm. And then there's carrot, carrot and apple, and Dr. Gerson's green juice. So the green juice has things like lettuce, chard, green bell peppers, endive, escarole, and watercress. And a lot of those have components in them that are known for um, stimulating detoxification, um, it can also build up your blood. So they have a lot of vitamin K in there mm. and things like that. So, mm-hmm. and usually with chemo and radiation, there's obviously so many terrible side effects and I'm sure in the natural way there there shouldn't be <laughs> nearly as many, or I would think in my mind, there really aren't any, but what are some of the side effects you still may see with this type of detox? So you actually uh, led into that rather well. There are kind of quote unquote detox reactions. Mm -hmm. And so those are usually referred to as healing reactions or detox reactions. And so they can be flu-like symptoms. Mm -hmm. So someone might feel a little achy. Sometimes they'll get a fever. Sometimes they'll get diarrhea. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes they'll break out in a rash. So our body has 
a lot of ways to get toxicity out of it. And so some of those are through our skin. If other areas get overwhelmed, like our liver and our kidneys Mm -hmm. and our digestive tract. So they, our body has a natural tendency to try to remove those when it's given the right tools to, to use to function. And so some of those will will naturally happen. Um, Usually when someone starts uh, it'll be a, f- a few weeks or a couple months before they experience that, but eventually yeah. okay. it'll, it'll come. So, yeah. And how long is that therapy kind of like what time frame do you give it before you might say, okay, like let's try some of the traditional therapies as well. It probably depends on the diagnosis that someone comes with. So the practitioners who work with the therapy, because I'm not practicing it right now, um, because I'm not a doctor yet, but Mm -hmm. the doctors who are using it will determine whether that needs to be brought in earlier or later, depending on the the person's situation. So if they're more advanced and you want to get ahead of the illness, then they might bring those in earlier and use the Gerson therapy afterwards, kind of how Mm -hmm. some people will do surgery and then have chemotherapy or radiation afterwards mm-hmm. um, as preventative. So it would be used similarly for some cases. If someone's earlier on, they might not necessarily need to to have those. Um, some people try to prevent using them um, and that might be their goal. Mm-hmm. So in some cases that might be the case, but not always. So mm-hmm. it's case by case basis. Yeah. yeah. And do the patients stay at the Institute? Uh, I'm imagining, I guess, a a lot of people in one building that are all getting treatment just so that they're under supervision. But is is it kind of like chemo where you go in and out just when you have an appointment? So for... For starting the therapy, some people can choose to go to a clinic. We have two licensed clinics. There's one in Tijuana, Mexico called Health Institute of Tijuana. Mm -hmm. And then there's one in Hungary called the Health uh, Gerson Health Center. And so people can optionally go to either one. And then uh, if they can't afford to do that Mm -hmm. or that's not um, an option because of travel and right now um, Mm -hmm. things are a little crazy. So we have uh, practitioners who work on an outpatient basis because it is nutritional therapy. People can apply it in their home. Right. So it is a little different, but that practitioner would usually meet with them um, through telehealth uh, meetings. So, And do you, so as the health coach, well, you're the director of academics, but you're also a health and wellness coach. Do you help yes. coach the patients as they're going through it? Um, I have in the past for about seven years. That's part of what I did right now. I also run our follow-up program where we follow up with patients uh, who are on the therapy. So I do that in, in part, and I do get to see how they're doing long-term throughout the treatment, which is really interesting. But uh, for, for right now, I'm not, I'm not health coaching um, them at the organization because the practitioners have partners called home setup trainers Mm -hmm. and they're usually serving in that way. And right now I'm, I'm just helping to um, train the practitioners who are um, going to be working with patients. So. Got it. Okay, cool. I'd love to hear like some like miracle stories because I feel like. Yeah, (laughs) that's a good one, Maddie. I want to hear too. Yeah. (laughs) So that's a great question. So we have on our website, we actually have a list of recovered patients that people can contact. So we have, 
we have that available so they can talk with them in person if they would like. Um, I really like Carla Shuford. She is a recovered patient um, who I believe is in her 90s now. She's the therapy when she was 12 and she had oh, wow. a rare wow. form of bone cancer. So she had Ewing sarcoma. And she was one of the, she's one of the last living patients who worked with Dr. Gerson himself. So that's part of why I love her story. And she was able to, to use it. Her mother was the one who would take her to Dr. Gerson and um, they would visit him in New York where his practice was. And then they would go home and she would apply the the therapy with her mother. Mm -hmm. And uh, she, she recovered shortly thereafter and has been recovered and obviously into her nineties. Wow. That's insane. That's so cool. And how long was she on the therapy for until she recovered? Usually people are on the therapy for about two to three years. I don't remember exactly for her case. I would probably have to to look up the exact dates. But um, we have multiple articles that were written by her as well. So if anybody wants copies of them they can get in touch with us us please yes we will (laughs) of course (laughs) so that's one of them um there's also one of the first people that that I helped um go through the therapy and start by going to a clinic so he recovered from prostate cancer and I think for me that was one that also hit home because I, I spoke with him before he used the therapy and then now he's been, I believe he's almost a 10 year recovered patient. Wow. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. I think he's on our website right now. His name is Bill. That's incredible. That's so cool. That is- <laughs> and go ahead. Does the, inst- does the Institute help if you don't want to do the full on therapy do does the Gerson Institute help at all like with nutrition during chemo and radiation or is it strictly pretty much the Gerson therapy so for for people who are going to use conventional um, treatments it depends on the treatment so for radiation it would probably be less of an interaction and they'll work with their Gerson practitioner to know if they need to modify it Um, but the practitioners are the ones who usually will help in that case because starting out a clinic is usually more of a launching pad to do the whole thing. And then um, practitioners, because they're working on an outpatient basis, they're able to modify that a little bit more for the person. And then with chemotherapy, the the issue is that the Gerson therapy simulates a lot of detoxification Mm -hmm. and you're putting in a chemical into your body that eventually will need to be detoxified. Mm -hmm. So you really want the chemo to have the effect that you're looking for so you really don't yeah. want to do detoxification at that point. Mm-hmm. So usually someone has to wait about four to eight weeks after chemo to start. So okay. right. so that it can get flushed out from the detox you guys do. Right. right. Well, not, not necessarily. It's so that the chemo will be effective while they're applying it and then you're not taking it out of the body too fast. Okay. So, so that it can both yeah. do its job. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And you don't, and you don't over, um, overburden the liver by trying to pull it out, um, mm. while you're taking it. Right. There's so many yeah. things to think about it. It is actually wild how there has to be a certain time frame, but it, it does make sense. And are there specific life do- lifestyle changes that you incorporate as well with your patients that you kind of motivate them to do during the treatment? 
Yeah, so the clinic in Hungary is really good about this. They have actually psychotherapy and group sessions that they hold at the center while someone's there. And what they do is they help people work through those um, emotional and mental struggles that they're going through as well. And then we do try to encourage people in order to think about the mind, body, spirit concept of all of those things that work together for our, our person to be healthy. So we do encourage that um, at the clinic in Mexico. They have some, it's a little, um, it, it's difficult to implement it right at this moment because of COVID, but they used to have things like group sessions and classes and, mm. and things like that. And a lot of the time, the patients who all go together, they'll create this little bond in group. So yeah, it's really good Support for, group for them. Um, exactly. Yeah, I feel like that would be so helpful because I'm sure it's hard because so what else because I know you add in a lot of stuff, but what do people need to avoid during it? Um, so they will avoid all processed food. So they're they're eating all fresh and organic food. And then um, they're also trying to avoid things that are topical to- toxins. So that right. could be things like soaps or deodorants that might have chemicals in them that you're trying to avoid putting into your body, chemical cleaners, things like that, that just can kind of cause constant exposure. Mm -hmm. So I have a question about the skin stuff, like products. Do you have any brands that you would recommend? (laughs) That's a good question. I love a clean, I'm looking for like clean skin and products and like <laughs> I don't trust any <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I've had a hard products. time with that as well and I think chemical I feel like it's really tough yeah yeah and I think that's been a biggest struggle when someone's on the therapy strictly usually they will um we don't really advise they dye their hair or wear makeup mm, or right. deodorants would be probably pretty minimal um so for someone who maybe is recovered they would be able to reintroduce those things um there's a hair dye i believe called the green hair but it's Mm. like the bunny h-a-r-e oh okay they have natural hair dye i believe it's henna based and then there's also i'm trying to think of some makeup sources that that are a little bit more natural um i'm not sure if i've found the perfect thing and so that's where it's usually there's a lot of different companies that you can find like one thing that's pretty good and one thing Mm -hmm. um, there's a website that I can't think of at the moment but there's a website where you can go in and check products um, ingredients toxicity level I can't think of what it is though oh that's okay yeah you think of what you do yeah because I feel like that's like one of the hardest also like deodorant yeah. was all like because I had lymph nodes in my armpit that were swollen so like immediately I was like oh it's the deodorant but then I started using natural deodorant and I got cysts under my armpit which freaked me out even more oh, so right. now, I'm back, now I'm back to like regular deodorant so but I know that I there know. can be there can be kind of like a detox period if you're used to yeah. using regular deodorant and then you mm-hmm. go to a natural one um, on the therapy for some people who have um, those healing reactions, they can use clay. And sometimes if they have that type of rash on their arm, as long as you don't have like um, an open wound, clay can help pull some of that out and calm down the irritation that's happening. So it oh, can be cool. really helpful. 
Because, yeah, I have okay. seen a lot of clay products recently. I just didn't mm-hmm. know whether to trust it or not because I feel like there's a fad for everything these days that come yeah. in and out. So I'm like, will clay, like, make me break out or will it be, like, the magic that I need in my life? I don't know. It, it can make you break out. So it, it can do that because it's pulling things out. And so if you're pulling things out of your of your skin, it can be a little irritating sometimes. Okay. But it can be helpful as well. I, I really like to use it if I get stung by something. It can really help mm. to, to pull that amount pretty quickly. So if oh, you get that's by cool. or something, it's not, the, it's not super itchy or swollen. Actually, yeah. you bring up another question for me when you just said it's a natural way to do the, to get rid of something. When you're giving these treatments, I know you're probably trying to avoid other medic prescription medications and all that, but do you give natural remedies to your patients? Like not for the cancer, but mm. if other things come up and they're like, I, I have a cold or, you know, I, my eyes bothering me. I don't know. I'm just coming up with random ones, but <laughs> um, yeah. Do you have natural remedies that you then suggest? Um, that's a good question. It probably depends on what the situation is. I would say that the people that get sick on the Gerson therapy are rather minimal mm-hmm. um, because you're mm-hmm. boosting your immune system. It's it's very rare that I've seen someone go through that. Um, and there are kind of sets of ways to manage that. So clay is one of them. Um, it can be taken internally as well. Like I said, if someone's having some diarrhea, um, which is mm-hmm. a sometimes a common thing when you change your diet mm-hmm. very drastically, very quickly. So clay can be taken with some peppermint oil. Sometimes people get nauseous and peppermint, um, not peppermint oil, sorry, peppermint tea. And so mm-hmm. the peppermint tea can help to soothe your stomach. Um, there's also gruel for nausea. And then they, they'll also use castor oil packs for pain because um, some people are experiencing tumoral pain. Um, it shouldn't be necessarily over where a tumor is because it's going to increase circulation in that area, but that can be helpful. Dr. Gerson also developed a pain triad, which is an aspirin, a vitamin C, uh, 100 milligrams, and then a 50 milligram niacin. And so the aspirin provides pain relief. Uh, the vitamin C helps to calm inflammation. And then the, the niacin, it opens up your capillaries along your skin and it helps your circulatory system bring those things further, further throughout the body. So. Oh, wow. So some medications are then okay. Like I, you just mentioned aspirin. So that's not, I guess, frowned upon in terms of putting in yeah it's it's not used all the time but certainly so there there are some medications that are used on the therapy that are part of it actually okay so there's a thyroid medication on there there's a potassium supplement so there are there are other components in that supplement kind of leg and so there the practitioners are going to also bring things in as they see needed so some people might have other supplements on there Mm -hmm especially if they might be struggling with prediabetes, um, things like that. So they might adjust a little bit according to that. Um, And our practitioners have a lot of specialties. So some of them are versed in Chinese medicine. So they might bring in some things like that um, if that's their leaning. But they have a lot of of different backgrounds, which is nice. Yeah, that's perfect. 
That's yeah, so cool. very cool. Have you seen um cert? Have you seen it be really successful with different types of cancer, with like certain types more than others? Yes, I would say that we have the most recoveries from breast cancer. That's also mm. probably because it's diagnosed the most, but um, it's been rather uh, helpful with that prostate cancer, and melanoma. Out there, the top okay. three. So those are the ones that we have the most recovered patients from. Wow, that's incredible. And how often, like, once you start, when would you get your next scan to see? That would, again, probably be a case-by-case basis because some people come to us mm-hmm. and they're stage one breast cancer and they mm-hmm. don't have um, any lymph node involvement. So for them, mm-hmm. they might be able to go a little bit longer before depending on how their practitioner advises them. But some people who are stage four, they might need to get them every four to six months, depending on the case. But the doctors do want to make sure to not necessarily have them exposed to the radiation from the scans all the time as well. So they try and balance knowing versus not knowing. And if there's another way to detect the cancer, that's another option. So some people have... um, blood markers for their cancer, usually colon Mm -hmm. cancer, breast cancer, and prostate, you can take tumor marker tests. So that's another Mm -hmm. option that they might do to know if they should have a scan or not. And do you get the scans from traditional doctors like at the hospital or does the Institute do their own way of figuring out what stage the patient is at? So the Institute, we're actually in an educational organization. So we're not um, a treatment center, ironically. So we are the ones who train practitioners and licensed clinics, but the, the practitioner will encourage patients to keep their relationship with their doctor, because I think sometimes when patients choose an alternative route, sometimes their, their doctor isn't that receptive to it. And I can understand that, but they really do want to try and keep that relationship going because that is the doctor who's going to have all of those scans done for you, have your blood work done as well. And so it can be helpful because if you do need, if the, if the therapy isn't working, how you plan in the next three, four, five, six months, a year out, you need to consider other treatments. That's going to be the person who's going to be able to help you out. That makes sense. Yeah, I think that would be, do you find that to be like a difficult thing that patients have to, because I do feel like that would be hard for Mm -hmm. a patient to tell their oncologist, like, I need you to be supportive of me trying this therapy first. Yeah, and I think that that is, it's difficult for the doctor to hear. As a future doctor, I can understand you might feel like, well, my patient is, is, giving up on themselves. So it's difficult to balance that. But a lot of doctors I've found in the last five years are being more understanding of it. So I think that because they are starting to realize, well, I only have these three options to offer my patient for them to be Mm -hmm. successful. Usually when you get diagnosed, you get Mm -hmm. like a survival rate. And so Mm -hmm. if you want to be in that survival rate group, usually you have to do something just a little bit different than what everyone else is doing. So that mm-hmm. often of what I've seen is that they're doing diet changes. No matter if they do the Gerson therapy or not, they're probably working with people like you, Madison, and they're, they are pursuing what other aspects of their life have helped contribute to this and what can they correct and how can they mm-hmm. start fresh. 
And what other illnesses have you seen besides cancer? I know that you said you've worked with that more recently um, a lot, but what, what are other examples of what you've seen? I'm just curious. Yeah, of course. So Dr. Gerson actually developed the therapy first for tuberculosis, and he was encouraged to use his therapy to try to treat cancer. So he was very successful at treating tuberculosis in Germany. He worked with Albert Schweitzer. He's a rather well-known doctor. And then when he came here, he primarily focused on cancer. He actually presented his treatment to Congress when they were having the war on cancer in the 50s. And so he wanted to have his, his therapies research funded. So what I've seen as well is because some people find out like, oh, well, I have high blood pressure. And I have cancer. Mm -hmm. Their high blood pressure will go away. They also will find, I've seen it used for autoimmune illnesses. One of the most powerful is MS. Um, There's a recovery on our website from a man named Nima. And so he's really been an inspiration. He's a rather young man as well. So he's been using the therapy or he did use the therapy and he still incorporates aspects of it. But um, Mm -hmm. he recovered from multiple sclerosis. I've seen it used for Lyme disease and um, Mm -hmm. rheumatoid arthritis. I think that was one of my first few patients that I helped go to the clinic. He's a rather elderly man who had rheumatoid arthritis. And one of my other patients or one of the other patients at the clinic was taking pictures of his hand because she had a blog and I was following her blog. And in the course of his time there, he had um, kind of like mangled hands that he could I remember he couldn't um, very well Mm. sign the papers for Mm. um, agreeing to some of the the contracts and so in that time he was able to regain full movement of his hands and that was really really awesome to be able to to see him be able to do that in very short amount of time because they're only at the clinic for about two to three weeks incredible wow oh my gosh and it sounds like, it sounds like, I mean, every, like all of these, most of these diseases or issues have a lot of inflammation is like the, you know, side effect and like the problem is that kind of like, what do you think makes the therapy work so well? Um, well, I really like Dr. Gerson's book. It's called a cancer therapy. It goes into oh, okay. kind of, I'm a science geek. So I really like yeah. understanding the nitty gritty, but he, what he does is he kind of refreshes the cellular metabolism. Um, mm. We have a sodium and potassium pump in our cells. And what he does is he pushes a lot of potassium into the body through the diet, through the juices, through supplementation and doing that really kind of forces the cells to go back into an oxidative state. So that means it's going to have, instead of a fermentation type of metabolism, it's going to be using oxygen. And what that does is that means that our bodies are going to stop having things like, like those inflammation um, triggers. And so it's going to, on a cellular level, help your tissues function properly and restore that. And when that happens, the immune system starts to recognize things like cancers or areas where it needs to repair and like in rheumatoid arthritis. And so then it'll start to take care of itself because it's not constantly trying to work in a, and not really optimal way. So that's one of the things that 
that was really interesting. Uh, he goes into a lot of it. The, the mineral balance in the body is really, really interesting. And he talks about the yeah. soil being the source of that. So mm. isn't food amazing? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty phenomenal love how you can put it in different ways to pinpoint what you're trying to do. That. So is that kind of how you do it with the supplementation and the juices with different patients? Do you kind of do more or less depending on the patient, but do that same routine of therapy? Or is there sometimes completely different ways to like for one patient, you would do the juices and then for another patient, you wouldn't do any juices at all. And it would be supplementation. Um, because the, the Gerson therapy really mm-hmm. relies on those juices to provide a lot of the potassium um, and fluids for the body to function properly. And it's basically providing hypernutrition. So you're providing a lot of other nutrients, minerals in those juices. So I don't think that there's ever really been a patient who's done it without the juices, but um, it definitely is personalized. So that's why we encourage people to work mm-hmm. with a practitioner so they might be, they might be a little bit lower on the juices, more focused on the diet and uh, using a few more supplements uh, that might be personalized for their case. Or some people might be on significantly more juices and significantly more coffee enemas and mm-hmm. slightly different diet. So it definitely depends on, on the person and where they, where they are in the process. So that makes sense. Yeah. What does a coffee Same. enema do? Because I hear them all the time in the cancer community. Yeah, and sure. I just need to know. That's a great question. Um, so it's the rectal application of coffee solution. And you mm-hmm. usually use an enema bucket or bag. Uh, and what, what that does in the body is, so coffee has caffeine. It also has potassium. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Gerson actually started with caffeine and potassium enemas and it was more cost effective to do coffee so those two things when you take them rectally you have them in your your large intestine and it gets absorbed into the large intestine and you have hemorrhoidal veins that run along the large intestine and those hemorrhoidal veins go up and immediately to the liver so they don't go to any other part of the body before that and so the liver gets stimulated by the caffeine and what happens is it increases bile production. Mm-hmm. So that, that means that you're, I compare it to a mm-hmm. fish tank filter. So your liver mm-hmm. is like your blood's fish tank filter. And if you turn it on mm-hmm. to hyperactive mode, then your liver would um, be filtering out faster. So that's essentially what you're doing. And then the coffee being in the intestines, your gallbladder is going to release the extra bile into the intestines. So the coffee helps to dilute that. And then um, you release it at the end of the enema and kind of all of that, that bile, the toxic buildup that the liver just pulled out gets uh, evacuated. So So it's kind of like a a very short and efficient cleanse. Yeah. Yeah. How long does, is that? Uh, like, it's about, very quick. about 12 so to 15 quickly. minutes. So not very long. Okay. Well, it, it kind of <laughs> just reminds me, yes. TMI, but after, every time after I have coffee, 
have to go to the bathroom like almost immediately. So it, it does. Oh yes, <laughs> make sense. Yeah, I've experienced it, so I can imagine yeah. doing it in a more concentrated <laughs> form would go crazy. So exactly, it's really interesting to see because that can provide a lot of pain relief. Um, ironically. So people will use that and it can help calm some of those, the symptoms that you were talking about, the, the healing reactions Mm. and detox reactions. So is it not, Mm, right? Is it sometimes used for constipation, but it seems like it has other benefits to it too. I know that. Okay. Exactly. Yes. Yes. So on the therapy, it's not Mm -hmm. necessarily used for constipation. It's more used therapeutically for the detoxification effect, but the, the um, (laughs) common use is probably for that. So right. I could have used that. Where was that? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't. (laughs) Seriously. couldn't go to the bathroom for a week so <laughs> yeah really I, I have also heard about it so much more recently about the and that was another trend I thought that was building up yeah, so I didn't right? know whether to believe in it or not but now I'm like okay well it seems legit yeah the <laughs> detox part of it the detox part of it makes a lot of yes. sense and I think it's it is something yeah. that's a little mm-hmm. uncomfortable for most people to talk about um and I, I know that it's been interesting that you get very comfortable when people are talking to you about how their coffee yes. and my experience went. So it kind of yeah. has prepared me for right. being a doctor one day. Uh, there's no for more, sure. yeah. no more uncomfortable conversations. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure you've seen it all. I mean, yeah, yeah. after cancer, I'm like, Anything goes. <laughs> yes, amazing. Well, I'd love to ask too, if you have like, for people that are going through traditional treatment, like chemo radiation, what would you say are like your top two or three tips of food, like nutrition wise of like what to include into your diet or anything like that? I would definitely suggest that they, they eat fresh and organic food as much as possible. And there's been research that's shown that if you change your diet in any way, not necessarily probably changing it to being on an all pizza diet or something, but as long as you change your diet and you're making positive effects, it significantly benefits your outcome. So I would just encourage Mm -hmm. really pursue whatever um, nutritional treatment aligns with them. The Gerson therapy is not for everyone. So that might be that they're using a paleo diet. Maybe they're using other types of, of nutrition that is suited for them and what they need but definitely seeking mm-hmm. nutrient dense and chemical free food and so i also was wondering yeah. i've heard right. some people talk about how a blood type can make a lot of difference with how it affects the diet is that true how, or do you have anything you can kind of explain more about that if there is something to that (laughs) that's a good question um that might be a better question for someone else because i'm not sure if i know much Mm -hmm. about blood type diets um i know dr gonzalez nicholas gonzalez from new york he passed away a few years ago he kind of specialized in a lot of that and so he had very similar therapy to the gerson therapy it was um diet based but he had a lot of um digestive enzymes Mm -hmm. included in his therapy and he did it based by blood type. Um, so we we don't necessarily do that, but the doctors will make modifications depending on how people respond. So the therapy is a very low mm-hmm. protein, low fat diet. But in some cases, if people need that because they're losing a lot of weight or they're really struggling, 
um, to have their appetite be up. Then they might include a little bit more protein or fat depending on, on the person's needs. So there probably is something to that. Um, I know that lots of doctors have studied it and I'm hoping to learn more about that Very in the coming cool. years. So it sounds so. like it is a thing though. And I'm not just, yeah. Okay. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We learned about it a little bit at the Institute for Integrated Nutrition, um, like blood type diets, just like another kind of like diet theory yeah. basically, but not en- like, not, I don't know enough it is definitely a thing I know that I picked up a book mm-hmm. about it multiple times and have just not not <laughs> chosen to maybe, read it maybe so. now because uh, <laughs> all of us don't know too much about it we'll all go kind of research more yes <laughs> exactly we'll have a book club. blood type book club <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'd love that <laughs> I'd love to if you could so because you do health coaching on the side, right? In addition to working at the grocery store? Yes. So I'm starting to be a health coach in preparation for building out my naturopathic practice so that I can learn part of the business part and learn how to to work with people um, one-on-one in the way that I can now Mm -hmm. because um, I have a lot of accumulated knowledge and I'd love to be able to help people. I mean, you definitely are going to, I just went to, um, I keep talking about it because I'm just obsessed now. I just went to a naturopath. Awesome. But I like was, I literally was obsessed. I left, like, I feel like I knew so much more about my like body. Like, I feel like I was aware before, but now I'm just even more aware. I'm going to, I'm going back to her because I have to like do blood work and stuff. Um, but just love natural yes. and you're gonna help so many people. So. <laughs> it's a really great, it's a really great profession. And what I really like is that they promote mm-hmm. the doctor as teacher. So the root of the word doctor actually comes from the word teacher, and that's one of the things why I'm mm-hmm. really liking to be in the health coach industry right now because I'm learning that part. I'm learning mm-hmm. how to teach someone else how to take control of their their health. Um, yeah. Doctor can't really do it yeah. for you. And that's what naturopaths are doing. So I'm glad that you were able to work with one and see what it's like. I know that it's probably a really long consult for the first time, but it's yeah. uh, Maddie was pretty worth it. And I was happy because she got me two recommendations of (laughs) naturopaths in my locations too. So yeah, I'm going to be, next time you hear me, I'm probably going to be nonstop chattering about it too. That's awesome. This is actually uh, the start of naturopathic medicine week. So it's pretty cool that that coincides. This worked out so well. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't even know. Um, Kayla, where can people find you? Where can people find the Gerson Institute if they're interested? So if they want to get in touch with the Gerson Institute, it's gerson.org. Pretty plain and simple. G-E-R-S-O-N. And um, the the people can get in contact with me who are listening by going to pasturewellness.org or uh, going to see Kayla Samprook at, um, on Instagram. So my last name's a little bit of a beast. So if they can't spell that <laughs> pasturewellness.org is a great place to go. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Perfect. And I'll put all of this in the, um, episode. Perfect. So Thank you, Kayla. Wonderful. You've given us so much more knowledge. So much information. I the word properly, but you're welcome. I'm glad. Thank you for having me here as well. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Of you course. guys are very, 
Oh, very great. inspiring yourselves. Oh, You've been awesome. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. <laughs> Please keep you in touch. Thanks. Thanks. I will. Bye. Thanks, Kayla. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening to Cancer Actually Fucking Sucks, the podcast that tells the truth about what people with cancer actually go through. Each week, myself, Paige Gill, and my co-host, Madison Pollock, sit down with fellow cancer survivors to tell our stories. Keep up to date with our guests and new episodes on our Facebook and Instagram pages, Cancer Actually Sucks Podcast, and tune in every Monday to hear our stories. 